it's a story that takes you through the eight nights of Hanukkah. And, you know, for me, when I wrote it, cooking and eating um, has always, always been a big part of Jewish holidays in my family. So I wanted the process of recipe planning and execution and tasting to play a leading part in the story. And my family also likes a little bit of competition. So I wanted to weave that in as well. So this is a story of a family who the grandmother traditionally makes salakas um, for Hanukkah. And the mom and dad say, well, you know, you, you always do so much for our family. Why don't we make them ourselves this year? And it turns into um, a competition, a little contest that they have, a cooking contest. And the little boy in the story who's based on my son um, is kind of moderating. And, you know, he's making, he makes the winning ribbons and, and things like that. And I wanted to just show some of the playful and loving dynamics between family members. I wanted a story that didn't focus on gift giving. And so it takes place during Hanukkah, but I, I hope it's a book that can be enjoyed by families of all backgrounds. And I've heard from a number of families who don't celebrate Hanukkah that it's been a nice introduction for them. You're listening to Lauren Rinaldi, a children's book author from Ann Arbor, Michigan, discussing her latest writing project, The Great Latke Cook-Off. She's our guest today on the podcast. <laughs> Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me. And how's the weather today out in Michigan? You know, actually today it's bright and sunny, so I'm quite, quite happy. Excellent. So, Lauren, before we get started, I just want to say thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And how did you come up with the idea for the Great Latke Cook-Off? Well, um, my husband and I are an interfaith family. Uh, His family is Catholic and my family is Jewish. And when our first child was born, he has a December birthday. And so he received a lot of lovely Christmas books um, from family and friends as a gift when he was born. And so, um, you know, while I was on maternity leave, I decided that I would go out and also get him some Hanukkah books um, just to sort of balance out our, our bookshelf a little bit. And um, I went out and I really couldn't find what I was looking for. I found that most of what's out there falls into sort of two ends of a spectrum. And once that you had kind of like Elmo celebrates Hanukkah or Curious George celebrates Hanukkah. And then the other side, there was like the history of Hanukkah or the history of the Maccabees. And neither of which really resonated with me and with my own family traditions and cultural experiences. And a few months after I tried to go um, book shopping, I was driving to work and the story of the Great Latka Cook-Off just sort of came to me, it like downloaded as an entire complete thought in my head during that 25 minute drive. And so um, I wrote it up and I, I sent it to myself as an email, but you know, then I kind of sat on it for about five years until I actually had the, the, the time and capacity to turn it into a real book. Yeah, it's always an interesting thing when stories come in and that you get the full download. Yeah, I found that actually with all of the books that I've written. So The Great Lack of Cook-Off was my first book, and I have four other manuscripts in the works. And each one of them has sort of had that same process, where the, the title comes to me first, and then the story um, sort of plays out pretty automatically in my head. And um, I find that if I have to wrestle with a story too much, I mean, obviously there's editing and things that you're doing with a manuscript, but if the story doesn't come together for me pretty quickly, it, it doesn't feel like the right book for me. That makes sense. 
So Lauren, growing up, were you always into creative writing or did it develop later on? Yeah, you know, I, I, I was always an avid reader and a writer. You know, there's this wonderful um, quote from Emily Buckwald that children are made readers on the laps of their parents. And that was certainly true for me. I have very vivid early memories of reading with my mom and dad in a cozy chair in their room. And we would go to our local Ann Arbor District Library and, you know, always pick out our favorites. I, I remember um, like Sylvester and the Magic Pebble and Stanley and Rhoda and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which were on constant rotation um, in our house. And so having a regular opportunity to read or be read to um, was very meaningful for me. And my first real memory of writing was probably around age seven. My older sister and I wrote a book of poems for my parents as an anniversary gift. Um, and after that, you know, I just, I always started keeping journals and, you know, which kind of served as like a regular writing exercise for me, even though I didn't think of it as that at the time. Um, and so, you know, I really, this was something that I, I kept exploring and, you know, in college I took a expository writing class that allowed me to respond to a wide variety of writing prompts and had to sit through a live critique from your peers in the class. So that was a really great lesson and sort of not getting too attached to any one particular piece of work or if you, or if you do feel really strongly about something, then you really need to kind of dig in and, and make it better. Um, and so that's just, you know, I've, I've been in book clubs for 15 years. I do volunteer reading to classrooms. And I'm also, you know, I'm that person who recommends books to complete strangers in the grocery store and on the airplane and at daycare pickup and things like that. Well, that's uh, much appreciated out there on the airports and grocery stores. <laughs> right. I don't know if it is, but I still do it. <laughs> <laughs> and as a kid, did you have any authors that you particularly admired? Oh, gosh. I mean, I really loved, I loved E.B. White. Gosh, the first sort of chapter book I remember reading to myself is Island of the Blue Dolphins. And I can't think of the author off the top of my head, actually. But that is one that I vividly remember sort of making me feel like, wow, I really want to read more. Um, and so, yeah, those are some of the ones that sort of stick with me a little bit. And tell me about your writing routine. I know you mentioned kind of getting in the car and having the downloads, but do you like coffee shops, quiet living rooms? How do you like to write? So um, I, it's hard, you know, so I have two young kids and I have um, a non-writing job, which is my, my, full, my full-time work that I do. So fitting it in is pretty challenging, but um, I, you know, I do like coffee shops, but I really prefer the, the um, my own home space. You know, when it's nice here in Michigan, I like to write on my back porch. We recently moved our kids into a shared bedroom. They now have bunk beds and share a room. And that allowed me to create a home office, uh, which has been really fantastic. I don't get to use it as much as I like, but um, I do prefer kind of writing in my, in my home space. And I keep a notebook by the bed because I, you know, my mind doesn't completely shut off the way I would like. And so there are some middle of the night ideas that I will jot down and look at in the morning. And some of them are, are okay. And some of them are really convoluted and terrible and clearly like mid dream. And it's nice to just sort of have that nearby in case any gems come out of it. Yep, that makes sense. So Lauren, what inspires you to continue writing? Um, I love stories. You know, I just love a good story. And I like to kind of look at the books that are out there that I enjoy and also see like what isn't out there that I could maybe contribute to a little bit. And I've also found that being a self-published author, there's something like slightly addictive about it. You know, you have you have the control over when and how your book is 
put out there and who hears about it. And, you know, once I sort of went through that process the first time, I thought, okay, like I could, I can do this again and I can, um, you know, I can sort of set my own timetable. And so that's, that's a nice thing for me. And I enjoy the, the marketing piece of it, you know, telling people about the book and not just my book, but highlighting other authors out there that I really enjoy. I firmly believe in sharing and showcasing diverse books and diverse authors. So having, you know, a little bit of a platform to do that now is really exciting. And it's really good to hear that you enjoy the marketing aspect, just because I know a lot of authors that uh, they love to write, but marketing kind of is a little bit of a struggle. It is. And, you know, I've actually been working with a number of authors recently to, um, to kind of help them with that a little bit and to help them sort of put together their, like their social marketing platform and just say, okay, let's think through for you. Who is your target audience? What are some of the things that you enjoy? What are the colors and fonts that really speak to you and your brand? Because if you're an author, you have a brand. Um, and so I've been doing work with a number of authors and other entrepreneurs recently to sort of help them get set up and, and ready to either ready to launch or sort of ready to relaunch, I guess. That's really great. So did you have any mentors that helped you along your writing journey? Well, you know, I, I'm still identifying some of those. It's really, you know, earlier on, I can recall teachers, um, all, you know, all throughout high school who were really supportive. And definitely that course I took in college where you um, every week were submitting something new and every week you were getting feedback from your peers, you know, kind of face-to-face <laughs> immediate feedback. And that was a really good experience for me. Now, you know, I'm, I'm involved in or I'm a member of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. Um, I go to the meetups once a month in Ann Arbor. So you can kind of have like your own critique group there or just sort of bounce ideas off of people. And I've found this community of other self-published authors, um, you know, either through Instagram or kind of just through some of my other work that where we share manuscripts now. And, you know, these are people who are kind of going down the same journey and we will bounce ideas you know, back and forth. The woman, Emily Sywick, who illustrated my first book, she, um, she's an author illustrator. And so she and I will trade manuscripts. And so that's been really exciting to sort of find those, those people and those peers. Absolutely. So let's talk about The Great Latke Cook-Off. Tell mm-hmm. me about the premise of the book. What is it all about? Sure. So it's, it's a story that takes you through the eight nights of Hanukkah. And, you know, for me, when I wrote it, cooking and eating um, has always, always been a big part of Jewish holidays in my family. So I wanted the process of recipe planning and execution and tasting to play a leading part in the story. And my family also likes a little bit of competition. So I wanted to weave that in as well. So this is a story of a family who the grandmother traditionally makes the latkes um, for Hanukkah. And the mom and dad say, well, you know, you, you always do so much for our family. Why don't we make them ourselves this year? And it turns into um, a competition, a little contest that they have, a cooking contest. And the little boy in the story who's based on my son um, is kind of moderating. And, you know, he's making, he makes the winning ribbons and, and things like that. And I wanted to just show some of the, playful and loving dynamics between family members. I wanted a story that didn't focus on gift giving. And so it takes place during Hanukkah, but I I hope it's a book that can be enjoyed by families of all backgrounds. And I've heard from a number of families who don't celebrate Hanukkah that it's been a nice introduction for them. That's really nice. And for those listeners who are not familiar with a latke, what is a latke exactly? 
Oh, yeah. So alaka is like a potato pancake. So it's made out of potatoes and onions and flour and egg. And you, it becomes um, a batter, essentially, that you then fry in a pan in oil. Um, and so it's, it's kind of crispy on the outside and smushy on the inside. There are um, two schools of thought around what you eat with alaka. There is sort of the um, applesauce folks, and there are the uh, sour cream people. And I am on team applesauce. I believe that latkes are eaten with applesauce. That's how we do it in my family. But I appreciate <laughs> the diversity of opinion on this. Um, and it's just a really yummy kind of crispy treat. Although I will tell people that it will make your house smell like oil for a couple of days. So just be prepared. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. So is the applesauce a Midwestern thing or is it evenly distributed throughout? That is a good question. I do not know the data <laughs> and the research on that. I mean, I do know people in the Midwest who will eat it with sour cream, um, but I, I think it's I, I think it's partly a personal preference, and I, I also just think it is a family tradition. Like, what you grow up eating is what you continue to eat and pass on to your family. I really don't know of anyone, now that I'm thinking about this for the first time, I've never heard somebody just say to me, I grew up eating apples and um sorry, eating latkes and applesauce. And as an adult, I switched to sour cream. I think it sort of becomes ingrained in you and like part of your holiday tradition. That makes a lot of sense. So how would you describe your typical reader out there? What is their age group? Yeah, so I mean, I think I think the book is, is really designed as a, um, a read aloud to um, children ages like three to six, three to seven, um, although I, I've certainly heard from families younger and older that they're enjoying the book, but I think that's pretty much my, the target audience. So it's meant um, to be to be read aloud and read as a family. Um, you know, the recipe is included in the back of the book, the winning recipe. So it's something that um, families can then enjoy together. Wow, that's special. Yeah. Um, tell me about your illustrator. Yeah, so Emily, um, she is another Ann Arbor mom, and she also does, you know, she's an author and illustrator um, as, a, as a side project, a side passion, and I found her through the Ann Arbor Public Library, actually. They, um, they have a small printing press um, that publishes books about Ann Arbor, and she wrote a children's book called The Monster on Main Street, which is about Ann Arbor who dresses up like a kind of like a wolf monster and plays the violin. Um, downtown. He's been around forever. He, and so she wrote a children's book about him and how to kind of um, introduce children to him and maybe make him seem a little less scary. Um, and so I, thought, I saw her book at the library. I really liked her illustrations. And so I, I kind of did, you know, what anyone might do these days. And I, I Facebook stalked her and I, I found her on Facebook and turns out we had a friend in common. And I sent her a message and said, do you ever do any freelance illustration? Um, and she's, you know, she said, I do. And so I reached out to her. We met for coffee to see if we might be a good team. Um, it almost felt like going on a blind date, you know, like I was like, are we going to be a good fit? Are we going to like each other? Um, and we did, we got along right off the bat and I gave her a copy of the manuscript and she said she'd get back to me with some initial ideas. And a couple of days later, she sent me some sketches and without ever having seen pictures of my family, she sketched an image of the grandpa that looked exactly like my dad. Um, and I hired her on the spot. I was like, yep, I'm sold. Like you, you nailed this. So then we started meeting every few weeks to work through the story page by page. And it's, it's been a very easy collaboration. And she's going to be illustrating um, another one of my books for me 
uh, I think we're going to start working on it at the end of this year. It's called Places We Have Never Been. And um, we're hoping to put that one out in spring of 2020. And that's really good to hear that you're supporting the, the local community. And yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, I didn't go with a local printer. I found a family-run um, printer printing press out in Colorado called Student Press that I've been really happy with. You know, a lot of self-published authors go through online sources, which I think are great. You know, they'll go through Ingram Spark or Create Space or something like that. But for me, I really wanted, I wanted a real person that I could talk to and the same person that I could talk to every time. And I'd heard very good things about Student Press. And I like being able to, you know, just call or email Brandon and ask a question or say, okay, I'm ready to reorder and know that, you know, the shipping and the quality of everything is going to be really consistent. So I do have one follow-up question. Mm-hmm. The uh, wolf monster that you mentioned, is this, uh, is this a real monster? <laughs> yeah, this is a guy that, it, that he's a real person in Ann Arbor, and he is always on one of the corners on Main Street um, playing his violin in a, like, wolf monster mask, and he's been doing it for years. Wow, that's... Uh... <laughs> we live in a quirky town. I mean, Ann Arbor is a very, it's a wonderful place. It just got rated again. I think it was the number two city in Ann Arbor to live. And I absolutely love it. I grew up here. I love being here. It's a, it's a fun academic town um, and it's really quirky. That's really cool. <laughs> so what would you, what would you like readers to take away from your book? I think what I want readers to take away from my book is a little bit of like, Uh, creative inspiration and also, um, you know, some fond memories of family tradition or some inspiration to start their own family tradition. I have heard from a number of readers across the country that they have now started their own holiday cooking contest. Whether or not they celebrate Hanukkah, um, they've sort of incorporated a little bit of a cooking competition, um, a friendly competition into their holiday traditions. And I really love that. Yep. It brings the family together and you can follow the recipe in the back of the book. Absolutely. So Lauren, what advice would you give to the younger version of yourself who's just starting out as a writer? Oh my gosh. Um, I, wow, that's a really good question. I think I would say to my younger self, keep, keep ideas close by. I, I used to keep so many writing journals and I had, I can visualize this story I wrote in sixth grade about machine that washes bubbles for a bubble bath and I can't find that journal and I I remember that story so like there's pieces of it and I want to recreate it because I really really liked it and so just like don't get rid of your early stuff you know keep things nearby you never know what you might want to do with it I'm definitely go back to my parents house and try to find that journal but I have a feeling it may have it may have disappeared for good are you still holding out hope a little bit a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday it'll just pop out. Right yeah. So you mentioned another book that you're working on. Uh, what other projects are you currently working on? Yeah, so I have um, three books that I'm working on right now. The next one that's coming out is called Snow Day at the Zoo, and I'm working with another local illustrator on that. We're actively in illustration mode, and that should hopefully be out in October of this year. Um, and that is a story about zookeepers' children who, um, on the day when the zoo is closed for snow. Um, and Places We Have Never Been is kind of an exercise that you can do with kids um, to explore places that you've never been, whether that's a few blocks away or whether it's across 
distant ocean and you pick a place in your mind that you've never been to and it takes you through a series of reading um, prompts. Think about things like, what's the weather like today in the place you've never been? And if you were hungry, what would you eat for a snack? And I did this with my kids a couple weeks ago and my son picked China and my daughter picked the moon. And it was really fun to see them um, kind of come up with, with these ideas of, you know, what would it smell like on the moon? Um, and things like that. So that's, I'm really excited about that book. And then my husband and I are working on a book together. He is a creative director and graphic designer. Um, and he came up with a, a story concept called Tap Dance Ninja. So that's one that we are um, working on together that I think will hopefully be out in four years. And outside of books, um, you know, I'm doing uh, some guest blogging. I'm doing some other writing. And I'm, um, as I said, I'm working with other authors or creators or entrepreneurs on their um, social media presence and engagement. Excellent. And then I, and then I have my, my full-time job as a public health professional. So lots of stuff packed in. Yeah. Sounds like it. And yeah, that, um, that exercise where you describe being on the moon and describing, you know, what does it smell like sort of thing? Um, that's, okay. that sounds like it's a real imagination opener for kids. Yeah, it's been, I'm really excited about that one. I, I can't wait to sort of um, get the illustrations going. Emily, who, who illustrated The Great Laka Cook-Off, is, is going to be working on that. And her illustration style, I think, is going to be perfect for it. It's, you know, kind of a little whimsical, and I think it's going to be really great. And Lauren, where can listeners find your books? So um, the most common place that people find me is just on my website, which is laurenrenally.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at lauren.renally underscore author. And um, I'm in a few local bookstores here. The, I did just recently put the book on Amazon. Um, so it's available there as well. And I'm hoping to be expanding to some other platforms um, this fall. And we've also got your website linked up on the Creative Writing Magic website and our Great. Twitter feed. Thank you. So Lauren, before we close the show, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share? Um, I guess I would say, you know, if you are starting, you know, to write or starting to think about publishing, um, you know, really just kind of finding your, your people who are, who are doing the same thing and reaching out and connecting. I think that has been so valuable for, for me. And this, this community of writers is so gracious with their time and their expertise. You know, I don't think that people feel really proprietary about, you know, their experience trying to find, um, whether it's an illustrator or building a website or looking for a publisher or whatever it is, very um, open to helping others not make the same mistakes or kind of go through the same stumbling blocks because there's so much that you have to figure out. And so even just telling people, you know, you don't always have to buy the, the barcode for the ISBN, your publisher, your printer should be able to just do that for you. Like little tiny tips that will help save you time and money um, along the way. So I just encourage people to, to reach out um, to me or to others and not try to do this in a vacuum. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely remember buying my first ISBN number and that was certainly a little adventure. It was. And then they're like, do you want the barcode? And you're like, sure, I need a barcode. And then I realized that my printer could just make the barcode. So. Absolutely. Okay. So that's all the time we have for today. Lauren, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much, Randy. It was fun. And thank you, listener. You make this all possible. If you like this podcast, feel free to support us on Patreon and consider subscribing. The link to Patreon is in the description. Also, 
If you're an aspiring writer and would like to learn more about writing coaching services, contact us on the Creative Writing Magic website. And also, be sure to subscribe to the email newsletter to receive email notifications when new episodes are available. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Stay inquisitive, support the arts, and keep creating. Bye for now. Thank you.